0: You know, um, there might be a little typo. Back when I was driving 100, 100, did I say 100? 75 miles an hour. I was thinking kilometer, uh, 75. I had to translate everything like when I was in Korea. Uh, it was 120 kilometers equal to about 70 miles an hour. Doing 70 miles an hour in New Jersey Turnpike when I collapsed. And, and when I uh, just recover, I don't know whether it was five seconds or five minutes, and when I find myself, a uh, car's uh, uh, idling in the middle of the, uh, the three-lane highway and a car's zooming by me, I had only one wish. Not two wishes, but it was only one wish. God save me. God save me. Just one wish. One wish. You know, initially, that one wish turned out to be more of a physical saving. God, you gotta save me from this, whatever that I just went through. I'm how old I was, 30 years old, 31 years old, collapsing, that just collapsed, lost, uh, became unconscious and uh, 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 saved me. And then same wish, that one wish, later on, as you know, the, my story, transformed into spiritual saving. From physical saving, the spiritual saving. And the, the, the core of my message today is two wishes that we need to have in our life that will please God. Is to one, have one physical wish that we ought to have. And second thing is a spiritual a wish that we need to sustain and maintain. And that's found in the Proverbs 30 that we're going to be studying today. But you know, when I was driving uh, when I was driving, the collapse, And when I asked, I wanted to be saved. The first thing that I remember was, because I didn't know how to ask God for, for, for help. And I just remember at that moment singing this song that we sang. Oh, Lord, my God. When I am in awesome wonder, consider all the things that you have made. I hear, I see, the stars and rolling thunder. You know, it just, just so comfort me. Just, it was more of even though I was in the deep, deep pit, I was magnifying God at that moment. And I was so thankful for that. And saying that you control all this universe. You created all this. And I was able, through the power of the Holy Spirit, with the presence of the Spirit, being able to speak and to, to, to sing of that song, it was something that I was so thankful that God allowed me to do that, to magnify Him in time of that tragedy that happened to me. Today, naturally, is Palm Sunday. It's the day that we remember the charm entry into Jerusalem in Jesus' riding, a donkey humble, just being hum- demonstrating humility. It's, 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 people ask, why couldn't he just got on horses? They had horses back then, but a donkey you know, just just pure humility. And as we read this Bible verse on Proverbs thirty one, I want to reflect the same kind of thing. When he says them I am most ignorant man, just just it's demonstration of that. I'm not it's not saying he's stupid. They're saying I am stupid. I am just ignorant. I don't know. I don't understand this universe. I don't understand that what he got out and it created. It's incomprehensible for my little tiny brain. But just basically what he's doing is really edifying. Edifying. Magnifying the glory of God. So, as, as you know, on a, in a um, Palm Sunday, and it was just coming, and Jesus is coming, a riding donkey, and he's passing by you, and he look at, looks at you, and he says, Two wishes I'll give you. I'll grant you two wishes. What would that be? What would that be? If he was passing by you right now and ask you two wishes. I want you to think about that all the way throughout the message today. And I want to see if that wishes would begin to transform in your thoughts as God continues to speak to you throughout the message today. For you all, I just heard of an interesting joke. I'm not very much of a joke teller, as you know, but I'm going to try it anyways there was a woman's, a woman's husband was uh, cheating on her and she got really upset and, and uh, disappointed and mad at him and finally got divorced and uh, lived a life just hating this guy but one day she was walking on the street and found the little lamp and by accident she didn't know what it was and rubbed it and uh, Jenny popped out and Jenny says you have three wishes pick three wishes but here's the condition. Because this wish, this rule was, was established many, many years ago when men used to rule over women. So the rule is this. Whatever wish that you get, and you will get it. But the condition is that your husband or former husband is going to get it. And she thought about it a little bit. And says, well, my first wish is that I want to be rich. And she became rich, but her husband became double rich and the next one she says I want to be beautiful and she became beautiful and the husband became double twice as beautiful and then Jenny says okay this is your final one you better pick wisely and the woman thinks a little bit and she says I want you to scare me half to death Well, that's not the spirit I'm going. (laughs) The spirit I'm going with my message is just the opposite, but I thought I'd just bring you some attention. Well, riches and beautiful, that sounds mighty good. That sounds really good. But not according to Steve Jobs. You know Steve Jobs? Uh, I know I used this illustration in the past. But, uh, but I want to do it again because it's very impactful uh, what, what he did, uh, what we uh, found out about him. You know, he, he, he was the most intelligent person. He was, certainly was not an ignorant man. He, he, he had the riches of the world. And the last time I saw him when he was young, he was a pretty good-looking guy too. It's got, he had everything. He had an everything. But at the end... Naturally, uh, he had a cancer. He died from the cancer, and, and we know that he was not a good man. That's what critics are saying. He just manages company brutally and just very difficult. Uh, and uh, but at the last day, last few uh, uh, you know days before he 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 died, I want to read this again. I know I read this like a couple months ago or so. He said this, I reached the pinnacle of success in the business world. In others' eyes, my life is a pippany of success. However, aside from work, I have little joy. In the end, wealth is only a fact of life that I am accustomed to. At this point, lying on the sick bed, And recalling my whole life, I realized all the recognition and wealth that I took so much pride in have paled and became meaningless in the face of impending death. Now I know when you have accumulated sufficient wealth to last our lifetime, we should pursue other matters that are unrelated to wealth. Should be something that is more important. Perhaps relationship, perhaps arts, perhaps dream from your younger days. God gave us the sense to let us feel the love in everyone's heart, not the illusion brought about by wealth. You see, this transformation is taking place in his heart. The wealth that I have won in my life, I cannot bring it with me. What I can bring is only the memories precipitated by love. And it goes on and on, and then at, towards the end, you can employ someone to drive a car for you, make money for you, but you cannot have someone to bear the sickness for you. Material things lost can be found, but there is one thing that can never be found when it is lost, life. Which ever stage in life we are at right now, with time we will face a day when the curtain comes down. Treasure love for your family, love your spouse, love your friends, treat yourself well, cherish others, love others. What would have been his final wishes at that final days of his life? It would be very different than what he was when he was in the 20s or 30s. If you had two wishes that you would ask God right now, what would that be? Two wishes. Two favors from God. When I went to Korea, whenever I travel, and in fact, not just because I went to Korea, most of the time when I'm in, uh, in, in communicating with the Lord, I usually have two wishes. And that's no different when I go to Korea either. My first wish is the physical things. You see, I lived 16 years knowing that if something's thumped to this heart, that I'm going to go to heaven. They told me two heart transplants is the maximum. This was my second transplant. I lived with that. So the physical needs was always with me. God, keep this heart. Help me to maintain this heart. Make me make this heart to last. My first heart lasts only five years. Now it's like 6th, 15th year. Now it's going into 16th year. God, you need to help me so that I can sustain, so I can continue to do your work. So don't let this health to be the reason why, why I cannot serve you. That was my wish. The second thing was a spiritual warfare spiritual thing that he will continue to reveal through me the plan that i have which is no plan i i live day to day i just do not plan i have a plan guys don't ever say others my pastor temp doesn't have any plan for his life i have a plan i have a solid plan and my first sentence is i have a plan And that plan is no plan. I know you heard it before, but I just want that sound bite to get into your head too. Because I'm hearing on Wednesdays and we have been praying. People are bringing that up. I just love it. I, I just love it. I don't want to say I'm just all up to God. It is up to God, but I do have a plan. This is a committed plan. It is to follow Christ. Follow God, just to receive it, because the truth is that when I have a plan that I'm going to go that way, and I already made a ticket and I purchased the ticket, and God says go that way, the answer usually is no, God, because I already made it, purchased the ticket. That's what we do in our lives. It happens in a workplace. It happens with our family. It happens everywhere. I love when my kids would say, like, "Hey." Uh, i got this thing. Uh, let's do this. We've got to do this. And they said, well, I, I have a plan. I can't go with you. So, oh. And I, well, I'm about to say, it's a godly plan, but I don't abuse God. And they we say, well, be so nice. Oh, yeah? That sounds good. Why don't we just go this way? You know, it would be nice, but I don't know. They don't do that. Because their plans are solid. But the point is that having a plan that is just to, to, to design, to receive God's wording, God's direction. It's just so cool. And some things that happen, you know, this, is, uh, this is longest I've ever been, like two and a half weeks, and we had an awesome time with uh, Linda Van Acker, and I know your testimony that I share uh, with, with about her testimony, and I want to share it again, it will be another five, ten minutes, and uh, uh, I had an opportunity, I just used. And when she volunteered, I want to go too. Remember I said? Oh, by the way. Anyway, you... Every time I go to Korea, I want to take somebody with me. It was so blessing. You know, you know when you go some places far away, you say, well, you want to see you know, this sightseeing, you want to go that, this temple, you want to go to this castle, you want to do this and that. You know, there's something that's better when you go out there and see watch like 10,000 people or 12,000 people precisely coming from the, you know, from the darkness that's so pure. It's a like, coolest thing. You know, the whole whole place is dark and all of a sudden people just, just, just 10,000, 12,000 people walking in. It is just sitting, standing there just watching people. It is just like, just feel some sensible presence and something is God's doing something. You know, regardless of what the situation is, but the thing is, God in the, is in the midst. Remember, there's, they're saying, you know, there's, in chaos, you, you bring about the order. When there's a chaos, when there's like big mess, that's where the God is, and he's going to try to do something. And it was so cool. So I want you to just think about that, just pray, and I will, I will, I'm going to keep on going there um, and, 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 and talking about my plan is no plan. So I gave a message. This is my third time going back to that church, upper left corner, where they sit actually uh, 8,000 people there packed, not a single seat left and the other 4,000 are in chapel and just listening in the screen it's just, just kind of mind boggling so I finished my message this is my third time going back and I sat and the senior pastor comes up and to close that particular day and then uh, he was uh, addressing in the congregation basically saying something like you know we meet a lot of people yeah I meet a lot of people Sometimes you meet people that you have little, you build this bond. You just see the chemistry in the bond. And he's, you know, he's pointing at me. And this guy is two years younger than me, he says. I didn't know he was younger, but two years younger than me. But I feel something. And then he says to the, he asks the question to the entire congregation. Do you feel the same? What is the people going to say? Yeah! <laughs> and then he says, well, in that case, we're going to ask uh, Pastor Haas to uh, commit five years to this church. I did not plan this. You know, I'm just standing there. I'm just looking at it. And people are saying, yes, five years. What it means is not me. I'm not going there, okay? I'm not being called to become a pastor there. But what they're saying is that they have two events every year, and uh, he wants me to come and deliver a message two days in a row. And it's not about just me going. I like to take uh, people from our congregation. Remember, we, you are the sender. We're small. Remember, Jesus only had a 12, right? He made it all happen. And the the people are there so receiving it. The same words that you're getting here, they're receiving exact same words, they're receiving it. And and what is happening is that as they're receiving the words, they're seeing something other, other things that's happening over there. They're convinced and um, they're convinced that God is in this. And then same thing that I've been talking about in the past, in Europe, Christianity kind of went down. And we're sensing in our country, in the United States, we're struggling right now. We are. We can't use the word God in government anymore. We can't pray in elementary school, junior, and high school, and colleges. And we can't even you can't even uh, uh, do a Bible study worship in the workplace. It's sort of. It's like state by state, slightly different, but most state now today, we cannot do any of this stuff. We are constrained. We've been. We've been. We are being sort of persecuted by the uh, the, the marketplace, the, the society. Basically, saying you guys stay in the fortress of your church, and when you do not come outside. And that is what's happening in our country right now, and they're saying it. And they're saying this what other country in the world today loved to God the way South Koreans do? And there's no other countries. Australia, they're, they're there, but not quite. There are some countries in South America. But who are fervent, who are thousands of thousands and thousands and millions of people getting together, not necessarily 4 30, 6 o'clock in the morning, just just pounding, you know, and in the world on trying to receive and trying to listen to South Korea. And they're saying we have now burden. We are burdened that, that if if South Korea goes down, just like Europe, there's gonna be dark days to Christianity. And they are taking that a sense of responsibility. And they want to go not only vertically with God, but they want to go horizontally. They're beginning to see that they can impact the, the world. And how they're going to impact the same thing that we've been preaching here. And I, this is where I want you to understand. Before I went there, and we've been talking about the so-called the impact that we can do in the marketplace, that the Christianity for the last hundred years we have neglected the society. When we find somebody who are so solid and and loves God so much, what do we do? Hey, you don't belong in the marketplace. You come out and go and join the seminary and study the seminary and go into the church and become a pastor. And after, or you can become a missionary in third world country. And we did that for the last 100 years. And by doing that, we abandoned the society. There was no spokesman for us right now in society. Somebody called this falsehood, the lies called, you know, so-called, the politically correctness took us over. Took us over. And we, the lukewarm Christians, oh, maybe that's the right thing to do. We just let them have it their way. And look what happened today as we stand. And this, and, then, and I was wondering why did God place me in the in workplace, work as a business people, as an architect doing it, and the pastoring, and the government, and biblical seminary working there as a board member, and it was so much of a burden, and before I went to Korea this time, I have gotten together with the biblical seminary, and says, what can we do? The biblical seminary has already approved a new reform, new way of doing a seminary, and it is to train the people. Like you and I, and go and serve—not only church, not only seminaries, not only uh, uh, churches, not only uh, third-world countries—but to go and serve our marketplace. And and then we we agreed on that. And then uh, the, the 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 president of seminary was sitting down. Okay, how are we going to do this? And we had a little little plan. We had a little plan. And went there after the message at the upper left corner church did it Thursday and Friday the pastor and people's reaction was so overwhelming they called me for next day and we had a meeting and you know what they say next time when we come here we want to have 10% of this congregation to be appointed to be trained to become missionaries to marketplace it's just amazing it's a, I, I, went, I gave about 20 different uh, messages at different churches and, and I do the exact same kind of thing and then when they do they, say, they usually come back and say uh, uh, we would like you to come back uh, to give a message again and then, then I just say uh, if that's the case I'll consider coming back but if you are agreement that you need your congregation 10% of your congregation, if you have a 4,000, most of them have 4 to 5,000, that 10% is 400. If you were willing to train 400 and send them out to the marketplace, if they're architect out there, if they're IT person, if they're an accountant, if you're a banker, they love the Lord. Don't just let them be a lukewarm Christians out there. Appoint them. Ordain them. Go through the training. And then send them as missionaries. And if you do that, and I'll come back, and I work with you. And they all agreed to do that. We got lots of work to do, guys. Got lots of work to do. I, can't do. I can't go visit all every churches. And I came back for the seminary. Uh, I had a meeting the other day, uh, last week, and I told them, and they were just like mind boggled. There's like some things is going to happen. The whole country, and it's going to come this way. So we're doing it together. You notice that it's not just South Korea. It was initiated by Biblical Theological Seminary. We did it, we passed the we approved this. The board approved it. We're the first seminary to do this. And then it's first it's going to South Korea to its pilot program and I am confident it's going to come to this our uh, country to be able to do that. So the two wishes that I've always been driving is I need health. I need the physical uh, well-being. That's one of the wishes. And second is the spiritual well-being and then is to be able to to uh, follow the tugging of our Lord, His plan, not my plan, and, 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 and those things that would coincide uh, with, with my life as well. So let's go back and look at Proverbs 30. You now we got 30, the next chapter is 31, this Is the last chapter. And Proverbs 31 is, I want you to anticipate, that's the book that I wrote became a bestseller. They created all this uh, phenomena. And I'm going to spend about three, four, five weeks on just on of Proverbs 31. But, but today, it's Proverbs 30. And before we go to Proverbs 30, let me just review what we've been talking about. Oh, before we do that, I want you to continue to think about two wishes. The two wishes that you would not ask Jenny, but two wishes that you would ask our God, what would that be? In revealing it, uh, Proverbs, that we've been on this Proverbs, book of Proverbs for the entire year, we said that the wisdom that is in the Proverbs, it's not just a good saying. It's not some, some nice nice saying. It's, it's, we said that this is about the essence of our Lord Jesus Christ. And w- this wisdom is it's a supreme. It's a, wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom, whatever it costs, whatever it costs. Go get this wisdom. And that wisdom, whatever that, that your God is telling you, should be the biggest component of the framework in which you should be asking two wishes. And wisdom, and, 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 and to understand the wisdom is a person. It's not a saying. It's not a fact. It's not, it's not a statement. You know, everybody. All other religions has Proverbs. Most countries have their own Proverbs. But this Proverbs in our Bible is different. It's, a, it's the essence of Jesus Christ. And it is a person. Because how do we know that? In the Proverbs uh, uh, 8, 12, says, I, the wisdom, I, wisdom, dwells together in prudence. Having all this, possessing knowledges and wisdom, uh, discretions. So wisdom, is, it's a pronoun. It's, it's, it's a person. It's Jesus Himself. And how do we know that it's Jesus Himself? Because Proverbs 823 says, I, the wisdom, was appointed from the eternity, from the beginning, before the world began. In the New Testament, it confirms it. It confirms by his son, whom he was appointed, heard of all things, and through whom he made the universe. So wisdom is Jesus Himself. In other words, it's the essence. We know who Jesus is. Don't just know him as a factual uh, way in which you say, well, he came, his son of God came to us to save us. Can you say that with emotion? No, that's a fact. And we try, to, we, you know, we, talk, we try to tell that to others, that that is the truth. It's the gospel. That is, that is correct. But if you want to know who Jesus is, how would he, what does he think? What does he care? What's inside of him? What's his character like? It's all found in the wisdom in Proverbs. And that's the point that we've been making all along that we need to understand what the proverb is. It's not just a good, good saying, a good slogan. No, this is not idiom. This is a, It's not only word of God, but it is the essence of who Jesus the Christ is. So we go to chapter 30. In the beginning now that we have a screen you can take a look at it. Most of Proverbs written by Solomon. But chapter 30 was written by Agur. And it demonstrates not so much about him but it's about attitude in which Agur uh, comes before the Lord, how he addresses who the Lord is. Uh, and he goes before uh, appealing and basically saying in verse 2, I am most ignorant of man. I do not have man's understanding. You know what that means? It means it's, it's basically a confession of his inability. Uh, it's trying to reveal the genuine humility, the humbleness and, it's, it, and it, it, we talked about how to win the favor from God. How do we do that? You have to have this kind of uh, attitude. You've got to have this kind of uh, humility before God so that God can have favor in you. you know? Moses and Abraham, all the godly men and women said, If I am found a favor in your sight, how do you find, have you know, favor on God's side? He wants us to demonstrate that we are genuinely demonstrating that we are humble, that we go as law, that we before before God, and that's when God sees. Verse three says, "I have not learned wisdom, nor have I knowledge of the Holy One." It's basically professing that that, that he doesn't have that he does he doesn't have the the ability to, or the intellectual to really understand this greatness of the, who God is, the Holy One. He doesn't, we can't. In other words, what he really is saying is it's God's word, God's knowledge, what he is, is not something we can learn. But we can have all that if we receive. Do you understand the difference? You can study all the Bible you want with, as knowledge and the facts, but if you don't receive it, it means nothing. And it's just his, his way of just saying, we have to receive it, not try to learn it. We have to receive through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why he emphasized from the Holy One. And, that, and that's really preface to that saying in the, in the numerous places in the Bible that God is great, that he is beyond our understanding. You understand that, right? God is beyond all understanding. Even if you master the entire book, even go to seminary, get a 10 different degrees, listen everything, we will never be able to fully understand who God is. So that's basically saying, when he said, I am, have not learned the wisdom, no matter how much he will study, we will never learn the wisdom until we actually receive through the Holy Spirit. Now, from verse 4, it's kind of interesting. It sounds like he doesn't know anything, but it's not. This is a humble way of addressing that what greatness of who, who God is. He does by asking questions. That doesn't mean he does not know. It's, it's, it's attitude of humility. You know, the, the, when he says, like, when he's asking these questions... They are in the form of a question, but he's really saying is, don't you know? Have, don't you, do you remember the book of Job's? When, when the Job and his friends are always like either arguing and talking, it's, it's an attitude in which Job is saying, don't you fear God? Don't you know? That's what he's saying, meaning Job already knows all this. You're telling me all these things, but don't you, aren't you afraid? Aren't you suspecting God? Aren't you feared enough to not to say those things to me? Because he already knows. So this, this ego is saying the same thing. He's asking questions to us, but basically saying, don't you know? Well, let's look at a few things. One of the first questions is... Who has gone up to heaven and come down? If you look at the book of Job, he talks about all the revelation, the amazing things in the universe and the natural things on earth. It talks about how the earth was suspended in the vacuum. That's in the book of Job. So he, what he's saying is, I understand this. I basically understand. But even with that little bit of understanding, there's no way we can comprehend how great God is. Just, just travel. Just go up to heaven and come down. See what you have seen. It's totally amazing. It's, it's a, how great he is. It's not something we can intellectually attain. The second question is, who has gathered up the wind in the hollow of his hands? He's saying, don't you know that the one has the control over? anything and everything that influences us. That's basically what he's saying to you, to us. Don't you know? You should know. And the third question is, who has wrapped up the waters in his cloak? He's saying, don't you know? The one, this one, the Holy One, has dominion over all living and everything that he created. Don't you know that? Water is a living thing. It has both implications. It has both implications. It's got physical implications. It's got spiritual implications. Water makes whole universe, whole nature goes to evolve. Creates rain. It creates evaporation. Creates uh, wind and everything. But the water is also the living. It's a spiritual thing. And then finally he says, What is his name and the name of his son? Tell me if you know. Do you think he knows? Of course he knows. He's just saying, Don't you know that his name is Lord Jehovah and his son's name is the Lord Jesus Christ who is yet to come? Isn't that amazing? In the book of Proverbs, way before Christ came, it's already in here in the book of Proverbs 30. Don't you know the name of the son? It's it's acknowledgement that son was there from the beginning. The wisdom was there from the beginning. Don't you know? So, you look at these things, and it's this this anger. When he's speaking about God, he lowers himself in an attitude of total humility, and he magnifies God, and, 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 and just... Tell us just the way God is. It's so great that, that, that our little brain cannot comprehend, understand. But we can receive it. Just we can receive it. And then is important matter of today. I intentionally did not have the uh, announcer, uh, David Cain to read this particular Bible verse. I so want you to pay attention. After doing all this, don't you know, don't you know, don't you know, don't you know the name of this son, Jesus Christ? And then the next verse is this. Two things I ask of you, O Lord. Now he's going into the appeal. Now he's going to to the mode of just asking God. It's now, it's the first time in the book of Proverbs that somebody like Agur is praying, he's communicating with God, not just making matter of fact. He's appealing, he's praying to God. Two things, oh Lord, I ask you. And it's so important. The two things are so important. Agur says, please God, do not refuse me before I die. He wants to make sure that God will grant these two wishes. There's two things. And we ought to be living our life in this way. In this way. So what are those two things? Two wishes, eager After, with that kind of humility, that kind of attitude, that God will be so pleased with a guy like him. That God will be found in favor. And then he's just lifting God and just the way it is. And even saying that, Acknowledging the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the, the next thing he says, two things I ask you. What are those two things? Number one is, please keep falsehood and lies far from me. That's one of his wishes. I mean, that's saying a lot to us. That's saying a lot to us. He's saying, God, I don't want these lies that i have heard from, from my friends from my uh, my fathers or my ancestors, that i'm 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 not beautiful i'm i'm really nobody i can't be anybody those lies keep that away from me this is a spiritual thing that he's fighting even though he is uh, humility he knows god because we are sinners we get this these forces, the outside forces, the lies propelled by Satan or devil that are trying to tell us otherwise. And he's saying, God, please protect me from it. Protect me from it. That's his number one issue. This is a wish if, if we should be asking the same kind of thing when Jesus comes with a, with a, on a Palm Sunday and a donkey and looks at you. What are your two wishes? God, yeah, asking for, asking for the riches and the beautiful. thing is wonderful and great. say, "Keep me away from all these falses and lies." That's spiritual. And the second thing that he asked for, it's a physical thing. So it's OK to ask for physical things. Physical thing. give me God. Neither poverty nor riches. I just want to live a simple life, where I am not torn, that I'm not too weak, that I don't have enough, that I have to go and steal. That I just want to. I don't want to be there. Nor do I want to be rich. I don't want to be like, you know, whoever. I like read the Steve Jobs. Like when it happened that way. I don't need the riches. Because if I'm too rich, I can't be that level of humility anymore. I want to be at the level where you will continue to find me in favor. So these are the two things the Book of Proverbs is teaching us that should be a framework for our life, framework for our wishes. Number one, as always, we should have something about Spiritual life that you want to ask God that should be on your wish list, preferably, God protect me from these falsehoods and lies and second thing should there be one of them should be our physical needs, protection from our physical needs, including that of the riches. And we don't want too much of riches. It's okay to have it. But the key is maintaining that level of humility. And he explains it. Just give me only my daily bread. Verse 9, he explains it. Otherwise, I may have too much and dishonor you. That's That's what happens. That's what happens. And say, who is the Lord? I will disown so much that I may not even acknowledge who you are. Or I may become poor and steal. And so dishonor the name of our God. These are the fundamental two sins that we have. It's not just these are two wishes we ought to have. If you break it down, there's a spiritual warfare that we're going through. And each and every day is exactly the two wishes, two things that Ager is asking God to remove and protect him from. And the second thing is the physical things. You know, we dishonor, we dishonor the name of God because we want that little, little more money. Instead of this way, which is more godly way, but because of there's a little more money, we're willing to step on somebody. We intend we, we 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 unconsciously lie, trying to get the credit instead of giving the credit to somebody else. God will not be pleased. But he's saying, God is he's saying, God protect me from that kind of uh, attitude as well. Protect me from that kind of attitude as well. So can this be your two wishes? And I just want to encourage you. I don't need to encourage. It's already been spoken. To live life just like that. And when you do and all the uh, readings and the study we've done in the Book book of Proverbs, when you do, you'll be found in favor in God's sight. And God will continue to show you the plan. I know you have a plan. Your plan is to have those two wishes. And once you make that plan, God's going to fill. He's going to show you the ways. Show you the ways and which way to go. And occupy these thoughts and wishes all day long. Not just during the worship time. Not just your quiet time. But all day long. That will be God's wish for us. And so shall be our wish for our life. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives.